0: This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy award-winning journalist
1: Linda moulton Howe.
2: Hi, everyone here and around the world. And cheers to all the new friends I met this past weekend in San Diego at the Portal to Ascension Conference. So far, there has not been an April 2023 headline from the Webb Space Telescope confirming a biological signature in the TRAPPIST-1 solar system, as predicted by the Aerospace Source. But everyone from abductees to investigators that I talked to at the conference strongly feel palpable energies in the atmosphere around us, as well as in vivid dreams that some of the abductees are having about something big is coming in Earth's future. The same theme of my two most recent Earth Files YouTube channel podcasts with Benji in Melbourne, Australia and Professor Bruce Solheim in California. Well, last night, I found an email with a video attached from Ohio resident Amity Robinette, who lives only a half hour southwest of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton. Her August 21st, 2020 video attachment is so eerily like a 12-minute video that I first saw on January 31st, 2008 in Texas and that I want to share with you some of the mysterious pulsing symbols before Brad and I and the 3-minute bell get going in tonight's Q and A. So, we're going to go back to video that is 15 years ago when I was interviewing people in the Stephenville Texas region where various sizes of uh, UFOs were being reported and on January in January of 2008 out at the Stephenville Clark Field Municipal Airport on the east side of town I'm going to show you some of the video that was photographed. It was 10:10 10, 10 p.m., January 19, 2008. David Carone saw a pulsing light in the night sky and began videotaping with his arm and camera braced against a wooden post on the porch. David said he could not hear any sound as colorful symbols began to pulse two different patterns every second. Since there are 30 video frames per second, the colorful silent symbols were changing every 15 video frames. These are excerpts from the original David Carone 12-minute video. And then I will compare to Amity Robinette's Cincinnati, Ohio cell phone recording that she sent me last night. And that was only an excerpt from the full 12 minutes that David Carone recorded that night. And I wanted you to be able to see his and then compare to the new Amity Robinette cell phone recording of pulsing symbols. While she was driving her car near her Fairfield, Ohio home about a half hour southwest of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio.
0: The date was August 21st, 2020. The reason I'm just sending it is because for the past few years I've been seeing stuff in the sky, so I'm constantly recording. But this night on August 21st, 2020, it was around 8.53 p.m. I was driving on two seventy five in the Cincinnati area and I just got on seventy four west to head towards Cincinnati and to the left of me I saw something that just didn't look right so I started recording. Probably wasn't the safest thing to do since I was driving, but I had to record it because what I was seeing was unbelievable. Um, you know, it just it was changing shapes and I had to do a double take and just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was really amazing and um it, it just made shapes like you would never even see it was like it would become like a real long line um and then it would like burst and then you'd see like different lights and stuff come out of it and it was you know fascinating really mind baffling but it's amazing at the same time there's something that that's getting ready to break any time so Yeah, definitely. I feel it with every part of who I am. You know, if we've been lied to and kept this information for all these years, I don't think it's really determined yet. I think it could be a few different outcomes.
2: If any of you anywhere in the United States or beyond end up seeing anything in the sky that is pulsing, like the David Carone video from Stephenville, Texas, or from Amity's uh, in near not too far from Wright Patterson, I would really like to know, in this time of turmoil and everybody feeling these strange energies, could what was around the planet in 2008, and there were dozens, dozens, of videos eventually that turned up with pulsing symbols, not as dramatic. And long as David Caron, but there were a lot. It would be very interesting to know if they are showing up now again as we are in what feels like a very critical year of 2023. And if they are out there pulsing, what are they pulsing to? And what is in the pulses? That is one of the questions that everybody was asking in 2008 and no one ever really successfully answered. I'm also doing research about the Madison County, Texas, new animal mutilations uh, that some of you have been writing about and asking. And because I was in San Diego for the conference and just getting back, I'm going to try to do a report for you next Wednesday that will include what I've learned about the current There's six animals, one six-year-old female, four adults, and one yearling, all with the same excisions in the jaw, the tongue, the genitals that I have seen on so many animals uh, since 1979. So it's like it's starting over again, just like in December. There was a mutilation in Kansas, and I went in deep there. I will try to do the same on the Madison County uh, six new mutilations. And for, again, for those of you, if you're in any kind of ranch country, uh, keep your ears and your eyes out for sometimes news about mutilations aren't made public and it really helps for you all to tell me if you're hearing about any mutilations that are bloodless, trackless in your area. So, with that, knowing that there's a lot percolating and that I welcome you getting me information uh, through email or through uh, text or through proton mail, let's move on to the fun of doing three minutes. Uh, Brad, hit that bell. I will try to the best of my ability. Uh, To answer with before that bell rings and you know, I'm sometimes not very good at doing that but I will try tonight and uh, dear Ian is in the Hall waiting for us to get started with the Q&A. Ian, are you there?
1: Yes, I am. I got back from San Diego yesterday. So I've got over the jet lag thing. So That was a brilliant conference, wasn't it, Linda? It was so great to meet so many of our viewers there who kind of introduced themselves.
2: It was, and it felt like pre-COVID because for at least a while, unless another variant gets horrible again, everybody was hugging everybody again. It was the first time that I felt that it was genuine and it was wonderful if we could just get the whole planet back to where everybody could hug everybody without wanting to shoot, uh, afraid of germs. Uh, So wouldn't you agree, Ian, that we had sort of like an echo of the way things were in 2018?
1: That's right. Yes. And I think the last time we had such a good conference like that was in 2019 at the conference, at the Contact in the Desert conference at Indian Wells, California, which we'll be doing again, of course, in yes. June.
2: Yes, the first weekend in June, uh, we'll all be meeting in the uh, beautiful hotel in Indian Wells, and it will be, I hope, that there will be no uh, rise in germs or anything else and that we can have another uh, uh, one of these conferences where everybody is thrilled to be there the material is fascinating and everyone wants to support so ian what do you want to do in terms of q a and interfacing with brad and his bell
1: Hey, well, let's get off uh, straight away with some of these questions. Well, first of all, we've got a question from um, Magnetized Light. Have the number of crop circles stayed the same over the years? Have any patterns been seen in the number of the kind, etc.?
2: I can answer the first one that no, there was, it started out back in the, literally in the 1980s. Uh, largely unknown to the rest of the world, and there were not that many. They were few and far between. And then where things really began to break open in terms of my going to England because there were so many incredible patterns that were being reported. It, uh, my first trip over was 1992, and between the end of the 80s and 1992, There had been sort of growing, growing, growing first uh, whispers and then eventually, I think what put it on the map, and Ian, you can add to this if uh, you think there was more, but it was when the uh, men, Doug and Dave, uh, made a statement that they were responsible for the crop formations in England. And that made it onto page two of the New York Times. I kept that paper in a file that's out in the garage from that time because I knew that was impossible. Uh, By 92, I had begun to talk with some people in biophysics and eventually was working with W.C. Lovingood, a first class biophysicist, and we knew that what was happening to the crop and what they were finding in the nodes and various changes that as, uh, bio, uh, as biophysicist Levengood said, when he was getting plant samples sent to him, he was clearly seeing evidence of heat in the growth nodes and then under the microscope, there were other changes that would be a direct relationship To frequency and to heat but not something would never you would never find these changes that he was recording photographing monitoring you would never find it because somebody was walking around with string and that's when 92 I think of as the first year that was magic I saw a a beautiful orange-gold glowing light up uh, on Woodborough Hill and the lights that people saw, they had a very beautiful glide. It, it, they, they moved so smoothly and beautifully. So that was my baptism in crop formations in 92, included my seeing one of those beautiful orbs. And then 93 and 94, everybody thought that we were truly in a huge mystery. And then came Team 66, the Satan people, they called themselves, who came in and said, we can make these crop formations. And they were lying, but that was the transition. And 92, 93, 94, those were the three incredible years in England without the CIA or MI6 or somebody uh, putting these guys in operation to claim that they were the makers of crop formations. It was all a big lie. Do you have anything to add to that, Ian, as a UK?
1: Yes, I do. My mind always goes back to that huge formation that led zeppelin featured on their box set that was yeah. uh, laid down in that east field as one of the pivotal points of that and i suppose we're talking around the time 1990 1991 and we remember as well the day that there was that crop circle conference they had every year the symposium for crop circles in glastonbury yeah. and the saturday that that ha- took place that year we had uh, the Daily Mail brought out that headline, the Men who fooled the world. And we were laughing about that and just saying, how ridiculous. We'd just arrived at the conference that was exploring the multifaceted way that these, these circles were laid down with, with such fantastic geometry. But also, the uh, American researchers had shown me what they called the blown nodes yes. in the fields yes. caused by microwave radiation. But not only that, we... We were at one circle that had come down the, uh, overnight and a woman came out of our house and came up to us and said something really strange happened last night. All the animals went crazy and our clock stopped at the, right, at the same time overnight. Uh, you can't explain that with two old guys with some force <laughs> no, and
2: no, there were electromagnetic anomalies. There were the microwave anomalies. There were evidences of heat. Uh, the list goes on and on about the anomalies at a biophysical level. And the the Doug and Dave, eventually, I heard, and it would be in the rumor category, but about two or three years after that, I heard that there, the whole Dug and Dave thing came about because they were paid by some group that may, may have been connected to MI6 and the CIA working to deflect public attention of crop formations, because the true answer was that crop formations were being created by other intelligences that were not human. What have you got next? Ian, are you there? Can you hear me? No, can there me, was Linda? there was silence.
1: <laughs> you can hear me now, yeah. Yes. Okay, that's good. No, it it was it, it was later revealed that the story that appeared in the Daily Mail was actually from, uh, from on the Saturday Mail. That that story was from an agency that had close links with British intelligence. And also, yes, we saw the balls of light in the fields. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. yeah so. We, we, we know that there was a real phenomenon. And yes. They were the most complex uh, geometrical patterns, I suppose, in the multiple geometric patterns in the early 90s.
2: Well, and going back to the original question tonight, uh, if you looked at how many crop formations were in which countries, because it went way beyond England, went basically all around the world. Um, You would have to have had somebody who was doing an overview count of everything. Some people probably have that information. But the crop formations sort of went in, would you say, a bell-shaped curve, where by 1994, I think of that as the last great year without the uh, interference of the so-called Team Satan. And then there was a a sort of a a drop-off in the number of crop formations, but they became more fascinating in terms of high anomalies for the rest of the 90s. And then 2001, the year before, the pattern out in front of the Chilbolton Observatory that had the head and then had the binary code that was the Carl Sagan sent off in the gold leaf, out into space with Drake from Cornell, there was a variation with an answer. And so in a strange way, as the team Satan tried to claim that it was responsible, it was as if the, we'll call it the phenomena of other intelligence up the ante and started making things like the uh, patterns in front of Chilbolton Observatory that none of those people could ever have done in a million years. So it's it's wonderful to be able to say the phenomena was real, is real, and hopefully we will get more crop formations as we enter this new age of what feels like to me that we're finally going to get that headline, we're not alone in this universe. I throw it back to you, dear Ian, for another question because I ended yes. up going way beyond the bell, but this was <laughs> way important to establish. I know.
1: It's very important to put that, that out that the uh, yeah. crop circles are there is a real Absolute. phenomenon behind crop circles. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. We've got a this just shows the global reach of earth files. We saw that at the weekend with people
2: Yes, so forward, many people uh, who, uh, to, who are to, watching to Earth Files. This yeah. is from
1: Carlos Moscas. He says uh, hi, Linda, and hi, Brad. My name is Carlos Moscat and I'm from Caracas, Venezuela. Uh, it's an honor to have the possibility to make a question, and it says, do you think that, uh, uh, here we go, everyday, which is, when you read or hear everyday news, it seems that the world is more and more upside down. Every morning comes along with another shooting or bombing or missile attack. Yeah. Things are happening now. Do you think that these acts are manipulated by hostile extraterrestrials in order to create chaos in our world and take advantage of this? Thank it, you so much.
2: It is an excellent and appropriate question. And even though no one has officially introduced any of the world to the tronoloid insects, I have no doubt that President Ronald Reagan was introduced to the five different extraterrestrial species or civilizations at that uh, Camp David meeting, March 6 to 8, 1981. And that the CIA director and support NSA, DIA, intelligence people were there and they were giving President Reagan, newly elected, a briefing on extraterrestrial biological entities and the president was asking questions. And when it came to the issue of them explaining that the, about the triunaloids, it was very clear that everybody that was in that briefing understood that the triunaloid insects were a serious threat. Jump, because that was in 1981, jump to the last three and a half years. That I started getting more and more details from the aerospace source about the tronooids and how they are a serious threat now. If they are a serious threat, if they had anything to do also with what was happening with Hitler and World War II, which has been suggested, they work planets through camouflage, and that it would then be logical, two plus two equals four. They're a highly intelligent civilization, and as it's been described, they want Earth without humans on it. And if they are strategic, and they're only ten and a half light years from Earth in Epsilon Eridani solar system, then they're being able to camouflage their presence on our planet or any planet, it would seem would be very simple for them to do. And that is... Uh, linked directly back to the crop formations, going back to around 1993, when one of the uh, men who always was videotaping, staying up at night, and uh, Andy Buckley, and videotaping or trying to at night to see if things would end up on his camera. It was, I believe, it was the year 1993, that he showed. To me and half a dozen other people at a private home in England, film that he had taken where he was on Pickett Hill, which was right next to Woodborough Hill. So the tops of the mountains faced each other. In between, there was this, like Pickett Hill comes down like this and it wasn't very much land in the bottom and then it came back up into Woodborough. Those, those hills, the crops, on those two hills always had some kind of pattern. And that we were seeing on the film with Andy, six orbs going around inside of that pattern. And we also knew that in in that particular geometry where those lights were moving and where that Part of the world would be, that and uh, Ian, remind me exactly what the question was because I'm seeing those lights in the film.
1: Oh, right. Well, I was just going to head to the next one, but the question was basically about whether or not um, E.T.s were responsible for yeah. uh, for the chaos that's currently taking place yeah. on the on the planet.
2: Yeah, but it and but heading to the idea that what happened is Andy. Uh, called me and uh, said that he had this film and I got to see it and then after I got back to Philadelphia and I was doing long-distance calls with him about setting up a meeting to look at that extraordinary film uh, the doorbell rang at Andy's place in uh, Manchester and a man introduced himself with MI6ID and said that he was there to tell Andy that he was not to talk with Linda Moulton Howe again there would be no organizing of getting the film of the light balls uh, into the public and that he wanted Andy Buckley to know when the helicopters come down close over the crop fields it's because we have special frequencies and we are aiming technology to see which of you are human and which are not and that was a literal uh, happening back then around 1993 could any of that hide or be related to worries of something like the Tronoloids uh, doing masquerading or camouflaging here I have no idea but the but there's no question in that there are agencies and intelligence agencies that are looking into crowds with frequencies. And if they are, it may be to look for ETs camouflaged as humans.
1: That's right. And I've always maintained as well that a lot of experiences have a signature uh, that is detected by the equipment on some helicopters, and that explains the helicopter surveillance of those experiences yeah. so quickly and so easily. Uh, I believe also, they're also able to tell from that uh, the signature of non humans.
2: Yes. Yeah well i am abusing the space between the bell rings i'm going to promise i'm going to try i'll stop right in the middle of a sentence but my mind is being flooded with all these memories back in england <laughs> go ahead
1: yeah um here, here's one from tom the man he, he's in the chat tonight tom the man tv uh mind me asking something what are linda's thoughts about children who have been enrolled with top secret government programs especially one called the Dreamland program. I'd really like to speak to Tom the man and uh, we'll reach out to him to contact us at earthfires at earthfires.com.
2: Uh, Whitley Streber has written and talked about his being somehow involved in something that happened in grade school, which is very interesting because he grew up then to be the, probably the most famous writer about an abduction of anybody on the planet And if you go back, gosh, I signed that contract with HBO to do the documentary to be called UFOs, the E.T. Factor, on March 21, 1983. And so when I think, uh, going back to that period of time, about what was circulating in terms of who could be behind things. And Ian, uh, give me the exact question that was asked. Are you there?
1: (laughs) I was just looking for the question again. Sorry, I just moved on. I want to make sure. Tom the man said. Uh, what are your thoughts about children who have been enrolled yeah. in top okay. government programs? Yeah. He talks about one called the Dreamland program.
2: Yeah, there there was another one, but it's it, not specifically children. Uh, I was working on a project in and around, it must have been 83 or 84. And a, a man uh, who then was, I think, in his 40s, came to me and said, I was in a kind of, quasi public place he says may I talk with you about what happened to me when I was in grade school and out came the first detailed story of a person who he he was told by his teacher that they were going to do a like a contest and that the contest would be how fast can you see photos change and how fast can you name all these photos? So it was all done like light and fun and that they would have a, a present. And in that case, it was going to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. It was in o- he was in Ohio. And they said that if he won or anybody won, they would be taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base uh, associated with UFOs. And he remembered all of that and said he was taken into this room and that there were men in suits and they had a slide projector and a screen and they just told him all we want you to do is just try as fast as possible to name whatever it is that you see and we will change the speed and he said it got to a point where he didn't know how fast it was going but his mouth could not keep up with the speed and they were looking for people who could take telepathy from extraterrestrials into their heads and be able to articulate it is what he understood later and what I understood. There has been a uh, underground sort of government program that probably started in the 50s. So yes, there definitely has been focuses on children and finding talents that they could probably keep monitoring and eventually maybe work for the government
1: thank you linda yes you and i have both met people who have had those experiences so it's quite widespread and it's one of the questions i always ask experiences and they always come back and let me know if there was a, a secret program they were enrolled in as children i've got another question here from uh from rosanna rigby and she says my question to you she's in southern australia my question to you How do you decide which people are telling the truth? I do believe, don't get me wrong, I'm just asking how you determine if someone is lying or telling the truth and not just making up stories. Do you go on gut instinct and why? Why don't the tall whites or other beings show themselves to all of us? What is their reason to hide? I suppose that's the big question, Linda.
2: There's a lot packed into that question. Um, I am going to start with how I have over now, it's 44 years, on the introduction to me in September of 79, to even thinking about extraterrestrials interacting with the earth in animal mutilations. Since uh, September of 1979 to now, as we are here on April 26th of 2023, I have truly interviewed, I've tried to work it out by the number per year, or by by month, and I have literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of files. Um, I think that it is fair to say that I have uh, interviewed, talked, been in deep conversation with at least 3,000 people that would be in the general big abduction category. And after you have talked to the first thousand people, your mind has, it's like if I hear a word, it goes into, my mind remembers a lot of things associated with what somebody is saying to me. And the more associations in interviews, in my mind, the more I know, because I'm not contributing any of the details, I only ask questions. So that is the person and the people with the experiences that begin to fit into patterns. And the more patterns you begin to see and write about and research, then with every interview, you know that you are with somebody who is possibly mentioning 10, 20 things that you know you already have on a list from all the people that you have talked to and it is that kind of resonance with a pattern that i would say has been my deepest guide if somebody is trying to con or lie or they're paid intel and they are trying to get me to take information say during a phony interview i don't think it works very well because the second category that i use is what am I getting as a being, as a conscious being, what am I getting from the person that I'm interviewing? And quite often, there is a distinct feeling that is different between the the genuinely honest people who are reaching out because they want help, help and they want to understand, versus I have had a few people who I think that they were trying to get me to run with certain information that I concluded was not right. So you get a huge panoply of really sincere to people who may have ulterior motives, to people who aren't anywhere in at least the category of information associated with people in the human abduction syndrome. And the more you do it, the more you see, the faster you get. Okay, Ian.
1: Okay, we've got a lot of questions about the big event that we uh, started talking about last week. And by the way, last week's episode has just passed 96,000 views. So well done, Linda.
2: Thank you, thank you, everybody out there. I feel that this subject is extremely important and I'm glad that so many of you are coming at this time when, Ian, the whole issue is people everywhere We talked about it in San Diego. People are feeling something really strange happening in the atmosphere. The timeline feels accelerated or slowed down or chopped up. And when the entire gestalt that people are living in begins to be a a subject of conversation, it means that we are on some kind of a timeline And the government and tall whites and Nordics and others may be trying to block certain possible branches that could lead to something that none of us want, such as nuclear war. But it is to me, the more we talk about it, the more conscious you become. We'll break 100,000 viewers from last week's show. That's 100,000 people. have it exposed and are thinking and the more you think the more I am convinced the more you look at everything you then are not someone contributing to a conscious download with the universe on let's say a nuclear path you're going the opposite direction and the more people are actively thinking consciously connecting no no, I do not want to see the sky on fire. No, I do not want to see flooding anywhere. I really do think that begins to add up into something that interacts with the consciousness of the universe. So Ian, okay, that's-
1: Okay, let's get up to the next question, which is Laura Rupp says, uh, it seems that the big event differs depending on which ET race is involved. Flood, nuclear detonation, object impacting Earth, etc. Is it evidence of shifting timelines, or do you think they are just scare tactics used to achieve some unknown ET objective or reaction from the contactee? Well, and that's uh, Laura Rap.
2: We are talking about different extraterrestrial civilizations with different goals. And where we just left off about the Tronoloids, they would not be trying to help us. But I have been reporting for at least three years about how the Tall Whites and the Nordics At least some of the Nordics are collaborating with tall whites and as the aerospace person who worked shoulder-to-shoulder with a tall white told me they truly have a vested interest in seeing humanity evolve stay healthy and be able to collaborate with this planet not kill and destroy it so there's long been going all the way back to 79 starting in animal mutilations and then Talking with people like Judy Doherty about she and her daughter watching grays excise testicles, excise tissue inside of a craft after the mother and daughter had been taken up in a beam of light. They were allowed to watch, they were allowed to interact telepathically, and that was grays. At that period of time, there were no mentions of tall whites, no one was talking about tall whites. The blonde, blue eyed Nordics were talked about, but not the tall whites. So there's an evolutionary pattern that has been going on for decades. And the reptilians have always been in the category, also, of if you want to call them troublemakers, problems like the tronoloids, the reptilians and the tronoloids are causing problems. The tall whites, the Nordics, There are teals. there are other types that do seem to want humanity to be at least helped. So all of these different motives and agendas have always been there since uh, 1979 for me. But the tall whites I was not introduced to as being real, working arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder with engineers in large aerospace companies. I was not introduced to that as a fact until three and a half years ago. Ian?
1: Yeah, okay. I got it before the bell. Can you hear me okay?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can now. Okay,
1: Uh, Cindy Vetter says, I was disappointed that the UAP hearing with the Senate didn't come close to some sort of disclosure. Could it be the government is concerned about the energy, religious, and economic crises that could follow? Imagine the panic if we discovered that we were seeded from a superior race, and not through evolution. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. She never misses a show and has been a fan since a strange harvest.
2: Thank you. Thank you for very intelligent questions. And may I throw a question back to you and to the group tonight? Why would there be any panic of any kind if... In terms of evolutionary information, we are simply told the truth that this planet for at least 278 million years, there have been competing extraterrestrial civilizations, Nordics versus Greys versus it could be uh, the reptilians and that they have been in conflict with each other while each of those three were manipulating DNA in already evolving primates to create a variety, an evolutionary variety, of humanoids that would have included Homo uh, uh, erectus two million years ago, and then coming up through various other humanoids such as Denise Avon and the most recent one before Homo sapiens sapien was Neanderthalensis. And we've talked a little bit about why would Neanderthalensis have been taken out and Chromanian Homo sapiens sapien be the one that ended up after 278 million years being the dominant humanoid. I don't have an answer to that why, but I think it's absolutely true that for 278 million years, different civilizations of extraterrestrials have been mixing and matching genes. And we are a species created by that genetic manipulation. I don't find that has any impact on my soul pressure and my deep, deep link to the thought that dwells in the light, the divine field. That is something else inclusive of, a whole, completely beyond all of the little variations, planet to planet, star to star in a 13.8 billion uh, light year universe of which there may be an infinite number of such universes where infinity itself goes on beyond our comprehension. In that scale, I always feel comforted by the fact that we came into existence by a lot of experimentation, and that there is something about the souls that inhabit Cro-Manian, *Homo sapiens sapien* that even the hugely advanced ETs find that we are something special, even though we're dealing with this terrible period of all of the fighting and all of the wars and it's been that way before but if we could come out and embrace each other not as religions not as dogmas but that we are beings with powerful souls that other beings in this universe that are advanced and trying to help life evolve not destroy it That's the important part. I think we have been made by something like the Tall Whites that are in an experiment. Perhaps, as in my own book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness, I have a 106-page chapter about the beings in tubes, and one of the humans is told that it is an ongoing experiment of multiple advanced intelligences trying to see if they could mix and match genes in a planet from a low level and then be able through genetic manipulation to create a species that would grow and evolve and flourish with souls, minds and bodies. And I think we are in that category and maybe in an upcoming show, I will do a program specifically on that aspect that's in my book, Glimpses, Volume 2. All of those that have my Volume 2, you can find that chapter and read about it yourself, how there is some kind of a wager that is going on between advanced intelligences about this experiment on Earth. If we put down all weapons If we stop fighting each other over race and sex, then maybe we would very quickly be introduced to those that have been trying to do a special experiment on Earth, not to kill us, not to kill the Earth, but the opposite, to keep this glorious laboratory going. So that's my perspective. Ian.
1: Yes, we look forward to hopefully exploring that topic a little bit more because, do you remember, we were we were with an experiencer whose memory was triggered by the illustration of the tubes of Glimpses of re- right. Other Realities, Volume 2. That was amazing.
2: Yeah, when we were in San Diego.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And here's a question from Judy Graham, who's in the chat tonight. She was also in the audience at San Diego. She says, wait, in reference to the... Uh, Videos that you showed at the beginning of the program. Could this be a coded language like the beings of the movie Arrival?
2: Well, I think that, (laughs) I think that there are layers and layers and layers of coded messages or languages. And what I mean by that, Egypt, Mesopotamia, the deeper they go, the more they find. Two weeks ago, I received in proton mail. Um, clearly, I don't know the name or the phone number because nothing was provided. It just was a proton mail addressed to me, and it had one sentence See if you can find some sort of an exploration company that would be willing to dig 200 feet down in all of the major archaeological spots where you could get permission. It was 200 feet down and implying that if we did go 200 feet down, we would be in layers upon layers upon layers, perhaps even of advanced technologies that have have come and gone our planet has served eons, the original ETs have gone, but that there would be uh, the ability to discover things deep underground. And it also makes me uh, realize that there had been rumors about there being some huge tunnel underneath the Sphinx connecting into uh, Cheops. And 40 years ago, It was dismissed, but in those 40 years, uh, tunnels and deeper underground places and the tunnels inside of the stone have all been discovered, making me wonder, if you did go down 200 feet beneath Cheops, beneath the Sphinx, beneath Stonehenge, are these power spots, great energy grids that over 278 million years There might be layers upon layers of discovery and that beneath our feet could be the proof of extraterrestrial advanced civilizations working and living on this planet age after age after age until now humanity is on the surface the tall whites have bases on our planet beneath the basins of the oceans and the seas the grays have gone inside of mountains. The reptiles like to be down deep in the deserts where it's hot. So they're not in direct uh, competition. We're the surface life. But that doesn't mean they weren't here in deep layers before. I find it fascinating to uh, contemplate doing investigations and researches horizontally and vertically and down below the oceans. Okay, Ian?
1: Just before we do, let's remind everyone to hit the likes as well and to uh, subscribe to us.
2: Yes, thank you so much. It is wonderful to be reaching the 100,000, perhaps, mark on viewers, and that uh, I hope that Earth Files can keep growing and we, we will live through, I hope, a headline this year that we're not alone in this universe, and that that will lead to finally truth in science to us, truth about ourselves. I hope that is the evolution that we are going and that we will be introduced to those ETs that are trying to truly help us. And in that process, for those of you, like in San Diego, The people who came running and hugging, oh, earth files. It's a tremendous feeling. I hope that you will push the like button and the subscribe button, and we keep growing and growing so that we can have dialogues with each other about important subjects that are going to be increasingly important to have some kind of objective view on as we break through that headline which must come, we are not alone in this universe. How about another one or two questions?
1: Okay, and uh, just before we go to those final questions, I also want to give a shout out to those people who came up and saw us and hoped to uh, spend time with us. So for Cindy, Shelley, Danielle, Jules, Jen from JK Ultra was there and uh, Brad and Ken, who came all the way from Australia. And we also met up with Yin-Yang Glo, who's in the chat tonight. So thank you everyone for
2: everything you did for us. Yes. Oh, it was so fun talking with those guys from Australia. I want to learn more. It'll be a subject that I'll have on Earth Files somewhere in the future. Uh, Just a little tiny tidbit. They are working on the language of plants, you might say. And they are trying to codify and understand what a variety of actions with plants, what will it produce that is repeatable so that they begin to start putting together, language is not quite the right word, but something that would have to do with plants communicating even when humans do not understand they are. It's great, fascinating work.
1: Fascinating. Yes, they they told us that they were actually, with scientific uh, equipment, eliciting responses from plants. Here's another question from Marcus Manns, and this, this one might be a quick one. If one would be invited to visit an alien craft and take the leap to enter it, how can one ensure themselves that the craft is not from the dark forces, which could be devastating?
2: It's a very, very, very good question. I have thought about that a lot. All I know is, is that if you feel your soul, you know the soul pressure, you know that you can have intuitive feelings about whether something is dark or light. It has protected me my entire life. I know it has protected so many other people that I know. So it's from your own soul, from the inside out, that I think is often your best protection. After that, if the dark is camouflaging the camouflage itself may give it away we don't have all the answers at all but what we do need to do is get to the next stage where we can be introduced to truly the governments know friendly extraterrestrials that by experience they know are trying to help us and that there is a gain, maybe even for the tall Whites and the Nordics, that if they create life forms that evolve and then have souls that are strong, that it may be one of the vested interests of those tall Whites and those Nordics, that they have created something that was not in this universe before Cromanyan Homo sapiens sapiens. And that we, in all our varied facets, that we have the ability to create from our mind, our heart, and our soul. And in the creation from the soul may be a force and energy that is going into this holographic universe that other life forms may not be able to produce. This is part of the excitement for me about if we could just get past, we're not alone in this universe. It's quaint to even think that. And it will the next step be meeting the ETs who had a vision of a life form that they wanted to bring into existence, not for anything bad, but for, the learning of how important the soul is in biological life forms, even if we are in a holographic universe experiment. It's complex, but the more I read, the more I'm beginning to feel that that is the big picture. And who knows, maybe this year we're going to get uh, uh, a report that will say, confirmed we're in a holographic universe and after that who's projecting and on that dear brad dear three minute bell that i didn't get under very well but i love your questions tonight ian thank you and next week we will be back at earth files with as much as i can bring to bear on new facets of news
1: Linda, can I just say as well, we still want to hear from people who have had experiences. Uh, They can contact us at earthfiles at earthfiles.com. For example, we've got Jasmina SM, who says that she was visited in 2012 by three tall whites that communicated with thoughts, telling me they are my family here to heal me. I was very sick. They implanted something under my skin, and I still have it.
2: Yes, I know that those are happening. I know that happens to some people. But there are a lot of other factors that seem to be the opposite of helping. That's what makes this landscape, I think, so complex. And in some compassion for the United States government, at least, I really do think that they've tried really hard to understand this tremendous complexity. And then you have all of the uh, pressures from commercial concerns and all of that, that. We are at a juncture that if every single person in every single profession and children growing up could all know the truth. I do not think that people are going to be crushed or uh, feel like they can't go forward. I find it exciting. I find it tremendously exciting and that learning the truth getting to Mars, moving out into the solar system, hopefully face to face with and in collaboration with beings that are so advanced that they can move forward and backward in time, that they can help us, that we collaborate as a federation that Star Trek introduced to us long ago. And then who knows what humans could do from Earth and beyond. That's what I'd like to hold and that everybody who has experiences as Ian is just reading from a few that within the bounds of my getting permission I never use anybody's name or identification or location but if you give me permission to tell your story then these again they begin to evolve and increase our understanding and that's what i hope to do a lot more here at earth Vials. and thank you ian as always for being there with your intelligent grace and brad for the images and eric in toronto we will keep on going and hope that we can do a special when that headline breaks. We are not alone in this universe. So until next week, I love you guys. Agape love each other. That will probably get this earth through a lot if we could agape love our fellow beings. Thank you.